Thank you for streaming the audio messages of the Fountain Church. Well, listen, uh, we've been in, uh, we started a new series last week entitled Set Apart. And uh, we're, we're in part two. This is the second installment of that. And I'm really excited about the message today. I believe it's a, it's a very uh, simple message, but I think for the season and the time that we're living in, I really believe it's um, hopefully going to stir something on the inside of you, uh, maybe challenge you in some areas. Uh, but I know that God wants to speak something specifically to us today. And so I, I've entitled the message, Set Apart or Set It Off. Set Apart or Set It Off. Look at your neighbor and say, Set Apart. Look at your second choice and say, set it off. All right, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I just thank you that it is under the shadow of your wing. What a beautiful picture that you've given us this morning, God. There's refuge there. There's safety. There's comfort. There's security. There's healing. There's hope that's found under the shadow of your wing. And so, Father, I pray that as we dive into your word, your word says that, that it's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So I pray that you would shine on the areas that have been dark and that you will illuminate even more brighter those areas where we can already see. That, Lord, through this service today, we would see you and only you. So, Lord, I pray that today's, um, as we dive in, that it would be a demonstration of your spirit's power. Lord, that's my heart. I know that I can't change anybody, manipulate anybody, nor have you called me to do that. But just present your word with clarity that you might have your way um, and that you would do what only you can do in our hearts. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, uh, a, a few weeks ago, I had a, uh, a little run-in at a coffee shop. I'm not going to name any names. But uh, we were waiting for a drink, and, and we finally got it. And when we tasted it, we knew that the vanilla was not put on the inside of it. You know when you taste your coffee and you get it all the time, and so you know when the little squirts of vanilla aren't in there. And so anyways, long story short... I, I go back to the barista. I said, hey, I, I'm so sorry. I think you forgot to put the vanilla in there. And she looked at me super rude. That doesn't come with vanilla. I was like, whoa. I'm like, listen, I'm, it really does. No, it doesn't. And so we go back and forth. I'm like, no, like seriously, look at the menu. It, it, it really does. And so finally I said, ask your manager. Like, it does. She said, well, I'll have to charge you for it. I'm like, charge you for it? It comes with it. Right, so we're going back and forth. Finally, her manager came out. Her manager said, yeah, actually, four pumps of vanilla. And in my heart, I'm like, come on. <laughs> and so she, she, makes, she finishes making the drink. She, she redoes it. She doesn't, she doesn't even redo it, actually. She just squirts the vanilla in. No love at all. And just puts it on the counter and walks away. And I'm like, Seriously? Like, you know, you were, like, you're mad at me because you don't know how to do your job? <laughs> Come on, you know we felt like this before, right? And I'm thinking, you're lucky I got my fountain shirt on. Because it might go in a different direction. Come on, fountain shirts are accountability. Matter of fact, they're coming soon. They're coming soon. But, but I, think, I think all of us, if we're honest, we, we have those areas that uh, when people come um, close to, to certain arenas, there's just certain things on the inside of us where buttons can be pressed in certain scenarios. And we, you can't really explain it. It's just like, I know that there's something about this that just irritates me. 
And that, that's how I felt. I walked out of there, and I, I was thinking, man, I'm going to call the, I'm calling Starbucks corporate. I'm going to the top. It was just one of those things that, that, that pushed my buttons. And I think we all have that on the inside of us. We all have those areas, whether it's family, certain, you know, people in our family can just take us to that place immediately. Like we go from peace to set off in a moment's time. So sometimes it's just it's certain friends or maybe coworkers, maybe it's your boss, that every time they walk into the room, it's like, oh, man, don't do it. And you have that backup button ready to go. Like if you push this, you better back up. And, and so, so all of us have this. I, let me show you a picture. I, I think it can, can be described like this. <laughs> like it's just, just, I dare you to cross that line. Like I dare you to go there. And, and, and we, all, we all have these buttons that are pressed. Now, for some of us, it could be buttons that are financial. It could be buttons that are relational. It could be buttons of pain and, and, and certain uh, insecurities, certain pain points that we've experienced through life. But I think that whether you're a follower of Jesus or, or you're not a follower of Jesus, we can all identify that we have certain things that just set us off, certain things that just take us to that next level. And in fact, many of us today, we're cleaning up some carnage uh, from some buttons that were pressed a long time ago because we, we set it off and we made some decisions in that moment and we said some things we shouldn't have said and it was just not a good situation. But, but we all recognize this and we even talk about people along these lines, don't we? <laughs> like Jackie, Ooh, she's a firecracker, right? Like you don't want to get on her bad side. Right, or, or, or how about Chris? Like, Chris, it'll, it takes him a while, but, man, if you hit that button, ooh, you better back up. <laughs> right? And, and it's these moments that, that the picture that came to my mind was this. Let me show you. It was Ralphie from A Christmas Story. <laughs> where I'm going to do my best to keep walking, but finally you said one too many things. You crossed one too many lines, and it set off. And it's on. And then in that moment, it's kind of crazy because our sense of justice in that moment gets a little bit skewed, doesn't it? Because we all have in those moments where we're offended or where somebody has pushed our buttons, the reason why we get so upset a lot of times is because we feel like something isn't just. Like there's a conviction like, that's wrong. How dare you? Are you serious? Right? And we start to say these certain phrases that come out. What we're saying is, no way am I going to let that slide. Right? And for some of us, it's, it's a little bit harder to get you upset. Like, you, you have a pretty good tolerance, but, but you do have your limits, right? And then some of us, we have like a thousand buttons on our body. <laughs> like, like, we wake up in the morning, the dog looks at you wrong, and it's like, Nobody go near. Nobody bump him. Nobody bump her. Tons of buttons just waiting to be set off. Now, as I was pondering this today, I thought, you know, the, the times that we're living in uh, with social media and just the, it's just a different day with the way information is communicated. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody has a voice. It's so easy 
um, to, to find ourselves going online just for a couple of minutes, and it's like button push, button push, button push, and all these buttons are just going off, and we're just angry, and we can't even do anything to these people. Right? And we're just like, oh, my goodness, are you serious? Right? Because there's a lot of chaos going on in our culture today, in our country today. There's a lot of people saying a lot of stuff, and it's just, it can, it can get really messy. And so I think for some of us, man, it's not just people that are close to us that push, pushes our buttons. Now it's people all over the world are pushing our buttons. And it's like, Lord, what do we, what do, we do with this? Well, we're either going to be set apart and realize that God has called us to be set apart, or we're going to set it off. There, there's really only, only two options. See, every time a button is pushed, a choice has to be made. And I think the consequences can be crazy if we don't understand how to, how to get some self-control and we don't understand that, man, just one decision could lead to a catastrophic circumstances and, 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 a, and, a, and a ton of crazy events. And I think the one that's going to help us get a, a better picture of this this morning is a man by the name of Samson. Now, now, let me tell you a little bit about Samson. Samson, Samson was set apart from birth as, as a Nazarite. Now, now, let me explain. If you go all the way back into the Old Testament, to ancient Israel, not everybody could become a priest, but everybody could become priestly. Meaning uh, they, they would, there, there would be certain things that you could do. You may not be able to be a priest, but there were certain ways that you could set your life apart in dedication to God. That would kind of, you know, be, uh, there, there'd be a distinction. There, there'd be this great level of devotion to the Lord. And one of those ways was by taking a Nazarite vow. Now, a Nazarite vow, I don't have time to break down all of the implications. But it, it was simply this, that you had vowed, uh, to, uh, it was dedication through separation. Meaning when you took a Nazarite vow, you would separate yourself unto the Lord by not drinking any strong drink like wine or, you know, strong alcoholic beverage. Um, you would not cut your hair for the duration of the vow. And you would not get close to dead things or touch dead things because if you touch dead things, you become defiled, you become unclean. And so, so it was this way that people would set themselves apart. It was separation through, it was dedication through separation. Now, now, Samson was separated as a Nazarite from birth. And this poor guy grew up and he had some buttons. He had a lust button. Boop. He had an anger button. Boop. He had a pride button. Boop. And so Samson breaks all of the vows. He's set apart. But how many of you guys know, if you're taking notes, jot this down. Set apart doesn't equal self-control. Set apart doesn't equal self-control. And so, so I'm going to take you to Judges 14. I'm going to paraphrase a lot of uh, this narrative just for the sake of time. But if you go back to Judges chapter 14, Samson is, uh, he marries a Philistine woman, which they were unequally yoked. It wasn't, they should have never been together. Anybody ever experienced one of those relationships? Like, we should have never done this. Some of you got, don't look at your neighbor. Don't do that. Don't look at your spouse. There's healing and hope under his wing, ladies and gentlemen. But the wedding, I mean, just the start of it gets off to a horrific start. So the wedding is on. I mean, this is the bride's day. And Samson ends up killing 30 guys on the wedding day. 
Like that, that's not going to be published. Could you imagine the photographer like, oh gosh, this is not going to be a good video. <laughs> 30 guys get slaughtered on the wedding day. And so Samson, in an attempt to make an amends with his wife, this is where we're going to pick up in Judges chapter 15. After he just ruined the wedding, look what it says here, Judges chapter 15. It says, later on during the wheat harvest, Samson took a young goat as a present to his wife. Now, Guys, you just understand that if you have violated your wife in any way, a goat is not a good <laughs> picture of maybe chocolate-covered strawberries, maybe, maybe flowers. But he's like, a goat? Like, hey, man, I'm sorry. I just ruined our wedding, but I, just, I brought you a goat. <laughs> how, how does that? I try, to, I try to picture this in my mind, right? A goat? And then he has the audacity to say, I'm going into my wife's room to sleep with her. Like, you can't make this stuff up. And it says, but her father wouldn't let him in. Oh. What's going on, pops? I'm trying to make this right. You just killed 30 people, bro. And so look what the father said. Father goes on to say, well, I truly thought you must hate her, her father explained. So I gave her in marriage to your best man. But look at her younger sister. She's even more beautiful than, she's more beautiful than she is. Why don't you marry her instead? So when I was reading this first time, I'm like, you're a horrible dad. Like, how in the world? But you know, in this moment, button has been pressed. You just violated me on so many levels in Samson's mind. And the choice is to be made. Here's the defining moment. What am I going to do? And look at Samson's response. It says, Samson said to them, this time I have a right to get even with the Philistines. I will really harm them. It's funny, when we're offended, all of a sudden, like the next feeling is entitled. Isn't it? Like the, the next moment, it's, you've offended me, so now I have the right to punish you. Oh, man, I'm going to get, and he, he goes on to say, I will really harm them. Like, really? And, and so, so Samson, he's, he's not lying. Let me, let me continue the narrative. Samson gets so upset, he takes some foxes, and he ties torches to their tails, and he lights the torches on fire and sends them into the wheat fields and to the grain fields. Now, notice it's harvest time. This is the Philistines' economy. The Philistines have done nothing. I mean, this is a dispute between father-in-law and son-in-law. And he's like, oh, no, I'm going to make everybody pay. Again, our sense of justice gets skewed when people push our buttons. It wasn't I'm going to make the, our, my father-in-law pay. It was, no, I'm going to make all the Philistines pay. I'm going to tear all you up. So he ruins their economy, sets their fields on fire. Horrible. So the Philistines catch wind of this, and they're like, man, what's, going, what's happening here? And so the situation was explained to them. They're like, man, what does this have to do with us? So then they go, guess what, button push. So they go, and they murder the, the, the daughter and the father. Right? And then Samson's really upset. He's like, oh, now I'm going to get vengeance. And so he goes out and slaughters a bunch more people. And then the Philistines come back and they said, what? We got to get this guy. So they, they camp out around Judah. The people of Judah, which where Samson is from, come out to the Philistines and said, hey, what are you guys doing here? 
Why have you guys come to harm us? Why have you guys come to fight us? And they said, oh, we're here to get that, that guy, Samson. And so now 3,000 men from Judah are on a war hunt to try to find Samson. And so they finally find Samson, and they're like, what are you doing? The Philistines are rulers over us. Like, we haven't done anything to them. You're, you're messing it up, bro. Come on, how many of you have ever been a part of a dispute that had nothing to do with you? And you're caught right in the middle of it. Isn't that the worst place? And it's like, what in the world? I started to think about Samson. I thought, I mean, this guy gets really creative when he's mad. But I, I think that's true for all of us, don't, don't you think? I, I think we get really innovative when we're upset. Right, like we'll meditate for hours. Oh, this is what I'm going to say, uh-huh. I'm connecting this dot and that dot. Boom, boom, my case, bam. We just get so creative. In our household, we play a lot. And so, like, we scare each other, those types of deals, right? Like, I'll wait in the closet 30 minutes just to get a good scare. And so, so not too long ago, I get a call from Olivia. She's bawling. She's weeping. Dad, mom's hurt. I'm like, what? My heart sinks. I'm, like, right in the middle of sermon prep, right in the middle of that thought that's going to change the planet in Jesus' name, right? And I get this, and I get on the phone, and then they just start laughing. I'm like, you used our kids? <laughs> like, how was? But point taken, that was creative, and you got me. You get so creative when we're, we're on these offended, mo in these offended button-pushing moments. And so finally they say to Samson, they say, hey, man, what, what in the world are you doing? And look what Samson says. His answer was, I merely did to them what they did to me. No, you didn't. <laughs> look how irrational he's thinking. His justice is totally skewed. Well, I just, I just did what they did to me. No, you didn't. You, you've murdered a lot of people, man. You've destroyed an economy. That was far worse. Like, listen, and we know you had disputes with your father-in-law and all that. That was, that was a tough spot. So he said, well, what are you going to do to me? And they said, we're going to tie you up and bring you back to the Philistines. What do you think we're going to do with you? So he said, okay, just don't kill me. They said, all right. So they tie him up, and the Philistines come, and they're roaring. They're so excited to get him. Spirit of the Lord comes on Samson. He breaks out of the, the ropes. Right? God still called this guy. Breaks out of the ropes. And then he turns into a gangster rapper. This is true. You thought gangster rap started in the 80s. No. Started in Judges chapter 15. Look what it says. It says this. Finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabbed it and struck down a thousand men. Then Samson said, with the donkey's jawbone, I make donkeys out of them. With the donkey's jawbone, I've killed a thousand men. <laughs> Woo! Samson's got some bars. He takes the jawbone and he slaughters a thousand people. Now, I want you to picture the progression. The progression. One dispute between father and son escalates to destroying an economy, escalates to two people getting murdered, escalates to more people getting murdered, escalates to now geographically and, and numerically 3,000 people on a war hunt for this man, and then it results in 1,000 people dead. All because they couldn't figure out a dispute. A lot of times in those moments, we're just not thinking 
about what's ahead and the carnage and the people that are going to be hurt as, as a result of our actions. And you think about this in, in, in more of a, a modern day um, like right now, there's a, a, a big battle between two hip-hop artists, MGK and Eminem. They're just like going at it. And this has kind of been the, the trend of hip-hop for a long time. People would battle it out with their lyrics and their words. And it started off as good sport. But, but we, we've seen that with like Tupac and Notorious Big, we've seen how, you know, a, a, a battle between two people can escalate to a battle between East Coast and West Coast and then can escalate into Two guys being brutally killed um, as a result. And, and I just don't think that we, we, we realize how quickly things can escalate. It's just if, if we don't deal with stuff properly. And so, so I, I think the question for us is, well, what, what do we do then when the buttons are pressed? Because all of us have to deal with this. Whether you're a follower of Jesus, it doesn't even matter how long you've been saved. Like We have some limits. We're human. And buttons are going to be pressed. And if you're not following Jesus, you get it too. Like you understand. So, so how do we live set apart and keep from setting it off? And I think Paul gives us a, a great picture of this in Romans chapter 12. And look what Paul says. He says, do not repay anyone evil for evil, but rather be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it is up to you, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, when I say that, some of you in your minds already are like, yeah, whatever. It's like we know this is true. But, man, this, this, this is tough to live out, especially when it's a pain button. Because we just feel like I'm entitled. I need to take justice into my own hands. And I want to pay you evil for evil. And I'm going to get creative thinking about it. And I think on another note, it's frustrating when we hear something like this because you may be thinking, man, you have no idea some of the pain buttons that I have on the inside of me. You have no idea what I've endured. Are you just asking me just to turn my head and act like nothing ever happened and just be this kind of whimsical, you know, person that doesn't repay evil for evil but tries to live at peace, right? Do I just let it go? Do I just act like it didn't happen? Do I just... And that's not what I'm, I'm telling you at all. Matter of fact, that's not even what Paul is telling us. Look, look what he says. He continues and he says, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. So, so you just want me to act like it didn't happen? You just want me to move on and just pretend like nothing's ever, you know, no pain button has been pushed? No, no. I, I just want you to leave some room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Well, what does that look like to leave room? Well, Paul continues and he says this. He says, on the contrary, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. Ugh. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Like, you know, the most frustrating thing is when you're in a dispute. Does anybody get into disputes here? Oh, you guys, you guys are like sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, in a dispute, is, is it not the most frustrating thing when somebody else is handling it maturely and you're not? Is that like the worst? 
Like you're looking at them and they're composed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are you done? (laughs) And inside you're like, because you know you should be responding that way, but because you're not. And then we just start lashing. Oh, who do you think you are? Oh, so you got it all together now, right? And we just get mad and we start attacking. Why? Because some coals have been heaped on our head and we're starting to feel the shame of our response and of our action. And so Paul goes on and he says, hey, he says, so this is what I want you to do. He says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This word overcome, it's a military term. And it means to overpower. To not, not to be overpowered by evil, but overcome evil with good. Meaning you cannot overcome evil with evil. You can only overpower evil through good. And this is where we run into trouble. Because so many times in conflict with one another, th- this is what we do. We tend to uh, identify evil too closely to the evildoer. And so what we, what, we, what we tend to do is say, well, if I just get rid of the evildoer, then we won. But in our attempts to annihilate them, we ourselves become a pawn to the very evil, for we, we become a pawn uh, in regards to evil. The very evil that we're trying to eradicate, we become a pawn and start playing the game right along with it. And so nothing ever gets canceled out. Because we identify evil with the evildoer too closely. And like we talked about uh, over the last couple of weeks, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're wrestling against principalities, against wickedness and, and heavenly places and Sometimes it's just so hard to distinguish the two. And so that's why Paul said, hey, listen, what what I want you to do is I want you to leave some room for God. Because what happens if we don't leave room for him, we start to fill that space with bitterness. We start to fill that space with resentment, with rage, with frustration. And in that moment, it feels great. Eminem came out with an interview this last week. He said, you know, when I'm angry, I just feel happy. And I feel like I make some of my best music when I'm angry. Because it feels good to, to, to pay back in the moment. It feels good to fill that space with, I'm entitled to be frustrated, angry, and bitter, and resentful. I'm entitled to this, and I'm going to make you pay. But the truth of the matter is, is when you fill that space with those things, you're really not free. You're actually, you become a slave to that individual. You become more bound and connected to them, and they have a lot more control over you. The very person that you want to destroy, they end up enslaving you. Why? Because you're just connected. I'm just so bitter. I'm just so angry. I got to make you pay. We're... And that, that's, that's, a, that's a tough place to be. That's a hard place to be. God has not called you to live in slavery to that stuff. It's so draining. It's so taxing. It's so exhausting. And it'll suck the life right out of you. And so, but, but I think to, to leave space, it's, well, how, how, do we, how do we do that? Because I, I think we could even get that, uh, we, we can misunderstand what it means to leave room. And so, so let me just give you a couple of things. They're not going to be on the board, but I, you might want to jot these down. Is, is leaving room does not mean giving the silent treatment. That's not what Paul's talking about. Don't look at me like you've never done that. Right? <laughs> I'm going to leave room for God. God doesn't like ugly. He's going to get you. 
right? In essence, you're still repaying them with your silence. Remember, Paul said, do your best to live at peace with people. It doesn't mean that they're always going to want to be at peace with you, but you can't live at peace with people if you isolate yourself from them. Now, let me just give a little disclaimer here. In verse 9, Paul says, hate what is evil and cling to what is good. And so there are certain circumstances where you're going to have to set some clear boundaries because the hostility is too great. It could be physical abuse. It could be severe uh, emotional abuse where there needs to be a time of separation for counseling and for healing. Um, it, it could be certain situations where, man, you're never going to contact this person ever again. There just needs to be an extreme boundary. And, and that's okay. In fact, Paul said, listen, you're actually serving them better because for whatever reason, when you're together, sin just tends to run rampant. And so you're going to serve them better and you're going to be able to cling to what is good. And what is good is that God has called you to be a good steward over your body. God has called you to be a good steward over your emotions, over your mind, over your heart. And so uh, in certain circumstances, but we can't use that as an excuse to, to, to get us out of the everyday circumstances that we battle with people on, that, that we, we love, that we do life with, that we're connected with, whether through work or school or something like that, we can't use that as an excuse to out people because that's the easy thing to do. But in essence, you're still making them pay. You're still making them pay. The second thing you might want to jot down is how do we leave room for God is we, we leave room through, through loving speech and action. Loving speech and action. Now, now this, one, this one is really challenging because it's like, oh, man, I don't want to tell you anything good. And I definitely don't want to serve you in any particular way. Matter of fact, if you're thirsty, I hope you die of thirst. If you're hungry, praise the Lord. <laughs> right? That's how we feel. But then we can, we can also, we can, we, we can take this out of context where we use it as revenge, meaning this. Oh, yeah, I'm going to bless you so much so you feel so bad. I'm going to make you just, I'm going to show you how it's really done. And I hope that you, I hope those coals burn through your skull. I hope those coals, right, and you just start preaching to yourself and getting all excited. And your good deeds and your, your kind speech are just a way to cause them shame. That's still vengeance. And then I think the easy one or the obvious one is to forgive and forego revenge. And that seems to be the tough one. Like even as I'm saying this, you're like, oh, man, I just, that just, it sounds great. I know all of that's right, but it's so hard to live that. Some of you are better than others. But I tell you what, it's just the season that you're in, it may be great, but you may go through a painful season and the game changes. So we always got to be mindful. We always got to understand that, listen, when our buttons, when our buttons are pressed, what are we going to do? How are we going to respond? A choice is there to be made. And if you're taking notes, I love what John Piper said. He said, there's such a freedom when we let it go because when we put down revenge, God picks it up. And it's so refreshing. It's so, ah. But here's the problem. A lot of times we don't. And we make people pay over and over and over. Out of our lips comes slander, come gossip. Out of our hearts come just rage and venom, even though it may be in a very subtle way. We want people to pay. And so, so I'm here today to, to reveal to you a truth that, that maybe you've never seen it like this before. But I'm hoping that this impacts you in a way that when your buttons are pushed, you're going to have a different perspective. And it's, it's this, that when we have a problem 
with revenge. If you're taking notes, jot this down. Our problem with revenge is not with people, it's with God. Our problem is with him. Because we really don't believe that he's good and just. So we have to take it into our hands. We really don't believe that God is going to come through and vindicate us and, 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 and you know, do the right thing. We say, oh, no, no, I'm not going to leave, leave it to the Lord because you might get away. <laughs> but isn't it so funny? We want justice when it's somebody else, but we want mercy when it comes to us. It's funny, when we are the ones doing the offending, our justice turns to justification. Right, so we go from, oh, yeah, they should pay to, well, let me, this is why I did it. I'm just doing what they did to me. All of a sudden, our justice turns to justification, and the issue has is, is never been with people when it comes to revenge. The issue has always been with God. You see, Paul tells us uh, in the letter to Galatians chapter 5, he says, man, this is fruit of the Spirit. This is the fruit that should manifest of you being close in close proximity with Jesus with the Holy Spirit, because the Spirit of God lives on the inside of us as followers of Jesus. And he said, man, there should be love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. It's a fruit. It's a fruit of you being connected with God. So if you are lacking self-control, trust me, ladies and gentlemen, it's not a people issue. It's a God issue. That God is inviting you to say, my daughter, my son, Listen, I want you to produce fruit in this area. But if you're going to produce fruit in this area, you're going to have to get a little bit closer. And I love how Paul starts off this letter uh, or this, this uh, chapter in, in chapter 12 here. Because I think that the, the question is we know that we're supposed to do all those things, but we don't. And a lot of times we struggle to find the motivation of how do I actually get motivated to do that? Because everything inside of me doesn't feel like it. And so what, what motivates me? And Paul says in, in uh, chapter 12, verse 1, he says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. Now, we use this passage a lot because it's, it's such a great picture of motivation when it comes to following the Lord. And this word mercy, it, it comes also from the same word we used last week of compassion, a deep inner bow, just, oh, I'm so moved towards you, so moved towards you. Paul said in view of that, the way that God has been merciful to us, the way that God has extended his compassion towards us, he said in that place, with that motivation, you'll be able to offer your body as a living sacrifice because to actually love people that don't deserve to be loved, quote, unquote, that's a sacrifice. They always say in forgiveness, someone suffers. Suffering is always involved in forgiveness. Sacrifice is always involved because if I've been painfully wounded by you, to forgive you, it's going to cause me angst. But when it's in light of his mercy, all of a sudden it starts to make it a little bit more palatable in regards of how God has dealt with us. And he said holy, which means set apart. He says you want to know how to live a set apart life? Start getting your eyes on God's mercy towards you. Start getting your eyes fixed on the gospel of Jesus. The gospel isn't just what saves us, but sustains us and carries us all the way to the, to the finish line. 
In other words, one of our, our core values, our number one core value here at Fountain Church is the gospel is the filter and foundation for everything that we do. Because if that gets skewed, everything else gets skewed. So all of a sudden, things start to get put into proper perspective. And he says, and it's pleasing to God to do this, for this is your true and proper worship. He says, hey, just, just, can you just lean back into the cross? Like, the, like the, the, the message of the cross was not just for Good Friday. The filter of the cross is for every day of our life. Because it affects everything. And so what Paul is saying, listen, I know it's hard. I, I know you don't feel like it. I know you're not motivated. But let's look at God's mercy again towards you. And let's just take, take a little bit of trip as we just look at the cross over our, the, the short, the last few minutes we have together. And I believe that the Lord would say, let me invite you to remember, if you're taking notes, jot this down, my patience. My patience with you. Like even before you came to know Jesus, how patient God was with us. I was living like hell before he rescued my soul. Like he had every right to annihilate me. But he was patient. Not wanting anybody to be condemned, but all to come to repentance. Even when I didn't deserve it, he's like, man, I should whoop your behind right now. but I'm going to wait because my compassion and my mercy towards you, right? How about even after we're following Jesus, right? Anybody got a, a perfect record? Thank God for the blood of Jesus, right? Thank God that it's not up to us, but up to him. Thank God we don't get saved and then get put on a treadmill and now it's all up to us. No, we are, we, we are only made right with God by way of the blood of his son. We are only made righteous through him and through him alone, period. Nothing in it of ourselves. And I remember my daughter, she, was, she kept doing the same. She just, she wasn't listening. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I get frustrated with my kids. And I'm like, I just, to just told you that. Like a thousand times this week. And I felt myself getting upset, like, mm, like, and, and even in my, my punishing her, I felt, I felt like we, we don't like to punish when we're angry, right? Because it, it sends a, a mixed message. Like I spank with a smile. I love you, boo. <laughs> so good, isn't it? Um, but I felt myself getting angry and I felt the, the spirit of God say, wow. It was like the Lord said, Matt, don't forget how many things you do over and over and over and how patient I am with you. And instantly, it's like, you're lucky, <laughs> right? Because, because all of a sudden, it's like, how do I argue with that? It's true. I, I think the, the cross also reminds us that, if you're taking notes, jot this down, that love is a choice, not a feeling. It's a choice, not a feeling. Like we, we, don't, we don't feel like giving our, our enemy some water. Doesn't feel exciting. Something to eat. Like, I'm going to go out of my way to prepare a meal for you. Imagine what it took. They couldn't just go to Burger King to get their, you know, their, their enemy a meal. Like, that was something you had to prepare. Like, oh, I'm cooking this for you. Like, how in the world? None of us would feel like that. I remember a lady, she said, uh, she went to a counselor. She said, listen, I want a divorce. 
I'm going to divorce my husband. But before I do, I want to make him pay. The counselor said, really? Like, how bad? He said, really bad. He said, okay, I'll give you the plan. He said, I want you to love your husband like you've never loved him before. I want you to show him affection, attention. I want you to be kind. I want you to serve him. And then as soon as he gets pulled in, you drop it on him. I'm leaving. She's like, that'll tear him up. That will break his heart. So she's like, okay, sounds like a plan. So she goes home. She loves her husband, serves her husband. Just is kind, attention, just does everything she can. And the counselor doesn't get a call for months. So finally he calls her and says, hey, what's up? Are you ready to pull the trigger? What's going on? She's like, no, I actually love my husband. <laughs> right? Why? Because, because motion, motion began to arise emotion. Are you tracking with me on that? She began to make choices that led and all of a sudden her feelings began to follow. Choices always lead, feelings always follow. The cross is such a great picture of this because to to love and to serve people that that we are not having fun with, it's going to be a choice. But if it's in light of his mercy, if it's in light of the cross, all of a sudden, it, it, it paints a different picture for us. Like, like, for example, Jesus is getting ready to endure the cross. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. It says that the anxiety was so bad, it became like, uh, his sweat became like drops of blood. And what he felt was not awesome. Like, he's getting ready to lay his life down for what people who have despised him and rejected him. Let me show you. This is what he felt. He felt... Father, take this cup from me. I want to do this. He decided, your will be done. This is what I feel, but your will be done. And then he said, Father, forgive them. Did you, do you see that progression? See that progression? of This is how I feel, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, in light of, I, I know the plan. I know who you are, Father. I know that what's getting ready to happen is... It's necessary. This is why I came. I, I get it. And so I'm going to choose based on truth. And from that choice led to a confession that was just like, man, Father, forgive them. I'm, I'm at the worst point on the cross, suffering like none other. And having the wrath of God, not just the physical pain, but the wrath of God poured out on him. Right? Probably the, the strongest moment ever. He's not a weak savior. He's not a feeble savior. That, that is strength. That is power. That is overcoming evil. That is a military term. I am overpowering, overthrowing evil by the ultimate good. He's not in a weak position. He's in a strong position. Where he, he was able to say, I feel, yet I've decided, so forgive. Forgive. And then lastly is this. The cross invites us to trust God with the burden. Man, it's just so heavy. To be in that place of angst and bitterness, vengeful. Some of us, man, we're not even connected to some of those people. And they still just wreck our soul all the time. And he invites us 
to trust God with the burden. See, the, the, the beautiful thing about the Lord is that we, the cross screams that God takes sin seriously. God doesn't take it lightly. God doesn't take your pain lightly. He doesn't take your suffering lightly. But he's a just judge. And he, he, he doesn't have these out-of-control moments where he's not in control or where he's not judging fairly or he's playing favorites. That's not who he is. That's what we do. But he invites us to say, hey, why don't you leave some room today for me to be the judge? Because two things are going to happen. They're going to get what they deserve. Man, God is still pursuing them. God still loves them. But listen, there are consequences to our sin. That, that's inevitable. But let me deal with that. You don't know where they're at. You don't know if God treated all of us the way we deserve, none of us would even be standing. But he says, come here. Leave some room for me to judge. And you experience the freedom of not having that burden. And Jesus shows us by way of the cross that the Father can be trusted. I mean, think about this. He's getting ready to suffer the most painful, most excruciating, most horrible death. Look how Peter describes it. He says it this way. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. But he left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. Jesus is painting a picture for us to say, hey, listen, he can be, the, listen, the Father can be trusted. You can trust me. He really will judge fairly. And if anybody had the right to say this is not fair, it was Jesus. He had done no wrong, yet he was suffering for all of us. But no need to proof, no need for vengeance. I'm secure in the Father's love. I'm secure in the Father's purpose. I'm secure in, in, in who I am. And that's what happens in Christ. There's a security that allows us to leave room for God because we know that we're ultimately valued and loved by the one in which whom that matters most. And so we can rest and we can drop the burden because when we put vengeance down, God picks it up. We go free and justice is really served. And so listen, so many things in our culture are going to push your buttons. In this season, there are going to continue to be things that are going to push your buttons. And in that moment, you have a choice. I'm going to be set apart or I'm going to set it off. And I just encourage you in that moment to filter that choice to the cross and see if you don't get a different result.